This is the Puma Thoughts Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Puma Thoughts Podcast Quarantine Edition. Uh, hope everyone's quarantine is going well. So, uh, not too much in the world of sports happening currently, uh, so you kind of have to make up things to talk about and go from there. So, uh, for the first segment today, I figured we'd look back at the Bills playoff drought. Mostly have a little bit more fun with it. Uh, now that the Bills are a perennial playoff contender, haha. Um, I thought we would go through and discuss the best teams of the playoff drought. So from 2000 up until 2017, uh, the best Bills teams that they could muster uh, in those years. Uh, so jumping right into it, the 2002 team. That finished 8-8, eight eight, head coach Greg Williams. Offensively, they were scoring points. They were keeping up with pretty much everybody. Defensively left a lot to be desired. Um, for I believe it was the first year of London Fletcher on the team. But uh, Eric Moulds, Drew Bledsoe, and Peerless Price killing it. Travis Henry having a pretty good year. So the offense itself was doing very, very well. They finished one game out of the division. Uh, they finished third going 8-8 eight eight that year. But the Dolphins won it at 9-7. So that was a team that was one of the better ones given the drought. Uh, the next team, uh, the 2004 team that went 9-7 and seven with Mike Malarkey, uh, I think we can all agree that was the team that was probably the closest to doing the most damage um, for ending the drought per se. Uh, they lost to the Steelers' third stringers, however, the very last game of the season. All they had to do was win and they were in the playoffs. Couldn't do it, missed it. Uh, there you go. Um, but that was a team that won, I believe, seven straight in that season. And they were really doing very, very well. London Fletcher, Takeo Spikes, Pat Williams. Uh, everybody was on that team that year. Uh, they were doing very, very well. Again, Drew Bledsoe leading the charge there. Uh, the 2011 team um, went 6-10, and 10, but that was the year that Fred Jackson kind of Crashed onto the scene. Stevie Johnson emerged uh, a thousand yard receiver. I believe it was his second year of having a thousand yards. Um, he ended up having three in a row. Uh, the only Bills receiver to ever do that. But Chan Gailey's offense was something different, something a little bit more prolific, especially when they added CJ Spiller to it. So, given that that team did go six and 10, but that was the year that they ended up uh, upsetting the Patriots, going down 21 nothing there. They beat the Raiders, after going down 21-3 the week prior to that, um, I say they are one of the better teams given their record, but the offense was probably could have kept up with just about anybody in the league when healthy. Uh, when Ryan Fitzpatrick took over, that's kind of started the love affair with him. And the 2014 team that went 9-7 and with Doug Marone uh, was probably a team, given the quarterback struggles with Orton and what have you. That was a team that um, I think defensively hung well with anybody. Um, they were in almost every game. They really didn't get blown out 
in many games, but I think those four teams were probably the best of the 17-year drought that I could come up with that I think would be pretty good. Um, And then the next question I posed would be more so how would they fare versus the 2019 Buffalo Bills. Um, I truly believe that this year's Bills team or this past year's Bills team was much better if everyone's healthy on all these teams. Um, I still think the only team that would give the 2019 Bills a run for their money could very well be the 20 or 2002 Bills team, just because I think that offense was a little bit better. Um, the defense, maybe not so much, but I feel like the offense would have really pushed this Bills team. Um, the 2004 team would have been interesting. I think that the D, it would have been a more of a defensive struggle, definitely. Um, the 2011 team, granted, the offense probably would have had some creative plays, but I still think that 6 and 10 team probably wouldn't have competed very well against the 2019 Bills. And the 2014 team, again, more of a defensive struggle, but I think the best game you would have gotten would have been against that 2002 team. Uh, I think that would have been very, very fun for everyone to watch. Um, But really, other than that, um, now it's kind of fun to play around with the idea of if you could pit these teams against each other, how would they look? How would they do? But, I mean, really just going through and even looking at all the teams throughout the drought years and who who was on the roster at the time, when you really stack it up side by side and really see every roster and then, you know, knowing what you know now, I know hindsight being what it is, um, it's almost damn near impressive that these coaches got what they got out of the rosters that they had. Uh, very impressive. Dick Duran, I feel like I have a new respect for, even though he went seven and nine a lot and then got fired mid-year year four, um, when you really look at that roster top to bottom, ooh, how he did what he did with that and still managed to go 7-9, and nine, that is very, very impressive. Very impressive. Um, Greg Williams, uh, probably the 8-8 eight eight team, the best he could have done with what he had. The off, or the, I should say the defense got better in 3 but the team didn't really perform. 0-4... Malarkey did pretty well. The next year, it was just more interference from Ralph Wilson. That's why he quit. And the team kind of fell off there. And it was more forcing Lossman to kind of get in there and do what he could have done. And they tried to they traded up to uh, to get him, even though they could have waited till the following year. And probably could have landed Aaron Rodgers. But that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. Um, then getting to the Chan Gailey years, it's like, yeah, the offense did well. Um, given with what they had, but they probably could have went uh, other ways. Um, instead of taking a CJ Spiller, they probably could have went defense because they desperately needed it. Um, they did end up getting Stephon Gilmore out of the deal, who is by all accounts the best cornerback in the league right now, allegedly. Um, and then, you know, through the Doug Marone years, he did uh, the best he could do with what he had, even though he had a lot of differing opinions on how that team should go. Um, And then the Rex Ryan teams, you know, given that they were leading the league in rushing and it was the excitement of Rex and he's, you know, where they go seven and nine, eight and eight, whatever. Um, eh. 
I don't know. The Rex Ryan teams would have just gotten embarrassed, I feel so. But the teams got progressively better once you get towards this regime now with McDermott and uh, Brandon Bean. So, um, you know, it's, again, it's just fun to play around with. But when you look at all the rosters and all the players that have kind of cycled through here and you see what you got, it's it's mind-boggling to think that this team was actually competitive in some of the games that they were in, and they weren't just one of the worst teams of the drought. Granted, it was 17 years, and it was a long time, but there were some years that they were close. Again, 2002, 2004, 2014. They were close. Other years, you know, they were probably out of it, and they won games near the end to make it look a little bit better. But there were teams that were worse for maybe not as long, but there are teams that are worse for stretches of that period. So it's just interesting how it all played out anyway. But again, it was something that I felt very interesting, something that I wanted to kind of bring up and maybe you could think about, start a discussion or what have you. Um, Which also leads me into the best Bills of the drought, the quote-unquote all-star team, if you will. Um, This will probably generate... A lot of opinion on things. I feel like a lot of you may disagree with a lot of what I have on here. Um, Some of these guys weren't on the Bills for very long into the drought. But I encompass mostly from 2000 to 2016, let's call it. I mean, 2017, they made the playoffs. So there's that. Um, But I kind of got you a large window here, but from some of the better players that this team has had, uh, we'll just start offensively quarterback. Drew Bledsoe, best quarterback of the drought. I know there could be some debate in there with Doug Flutie, maybe. Um, But I feel Bledsoe played into the drought more so um, and then put up better stats in certain years. Like again, 0-2-0-4. Uh, probably his two best years on the team. Um, Tyrod had a year in there. Fitzpatrick, obviously another guy, a fan favorite, but Bledsoe was the better one. Running back, probably Fred Jackson. Um, I would say he put up pretty good numbers in different offenses. Still one of the workhorses of the team. So running back during the drought, Fred Jackson. Fullback, Sam Gash, because Sam Gash. Uh, Tight end, Scott Chandler, probably the best. Of the drought, really no no other one really sticks in my mind more so than him. Wide receivers, however, I'm looking at Eric Moulds, Stevie Johnson, and Lee Evans. Not in any particular order. Um, I feel like they were the three best receivers the team had to offer during that stretch. Um, they would have put up pretty sick numbers. Granted, if you could have put this team on paper, um, or at least all together on the field at the same time, I think it would have been, I mean, hey. You probably would have made the playoffs a few years. Um, so those are your receivers. As far as your offensive line goes, from left tackle, uh, Jason Peters. Not so much for what he did with the Bills, but just because of his longevity in the league. He has been playing for a very, very long time. And I feel like had it worked out differently for the Bills, he could have been here and what have you. So Jason Peters... You know, could have been a pretty big linchpin in the left tackle spot for this team. Uh, left guard, Reuben Brown, fan favorite. 
Uh, Reuben Brown, obviously, one of the better offensive linemen to walk through the doors at one Bills drive. I think he would have pretty much solidified that spot. Eric Wood at center. I think that also goes without saying. Richie Incognito at right guard. I think, again, uh, two stints with the team, but did very well near the end of his run here. Um, Still part of the drought, though. So I put him in there. Right tackle Jonas Jennings. That one could be up for debate also, but I feel like Jonas Jennings really hit his stride when he kind of near the end of his run here. Um, So that I feel like he could have filled in at right tackle there. Kicker Ryan Lindell, one of the most consistent players there. Uh, Defensively, you're looking at Aaron Schobel at defensive end. Um, Defensive tackle Kyle Williams. Defensive tackle Pat Williams. Defensive end Mario Williams. There's a lot of guys that were named Williams on this team. Jesus. Um, But yeah, I think that's your front four. Um, I don't know if there's too much other debate than that. I know Darius could have been considered, but um, mm, yes and no. He played very well, but he could have done more from what he was drafted. Like the spot he was drafted could have done more. Had he not uh, been dealt to Jacksonville, it could have been different. Um, But again, Aaron Schobel, one of the most consistent players. The only guy that really sacked Tom Brady at all. Um, Kyle Williams, again, heart and soul of this team for a long time. Pat Williams, one of the better defensive tackles um, from the late 90s into the early 2000s. Mario Williams is one of the best pass rushers the team has seen since really Bruce Smith. Um, if we're really doing that, like he had all pro and pro bowls on his resume already before he got here. So that was a big fish that we landed there. Um, linebackers, London Fletcher, Takeo Spikes, and Paul Puzlesny. Um, I think those three definitely... Again, I didn't do middle linebacker, inside linebacker, outside linebacker stuff. It was just linebackers. Uh, Puzz Leslie was a tackling machine. Um, played hard every play. Takeo Spikes, again, one of those guys that looked for a new new beginning out of Cincinnati when Cincinnati wasn't all that great. Came to Buffalo, really balled out while he was here. London Fletcher, one of the most solid linebackers ever. So those three guys there. Your cornerbacks, I have Nate Clements, Antoine Winfield, and Stephon Gilmore. Um, kind of like a Nate Clements, Antoine Winfield slash Antoine Winfield, Antoine Winfield slash Stefan Gilmore. Um, all any of those three guys, pretty interchangeable. The best corners the team had during the drought. Safeties: Dante Whitner, George Wilson. Say what you will about them both. Um, they both had their weaknesses. Wilson left the team eventually. Didn't really do much outside of there. But while he was here. They did very well, which is crazy to think, but they did pretty well. Jairus Bird and Duke Williams at the free safety spot. Um, Duke Williams, you know, had a couple of good years, but didn't do much after he left. Jairus Bird, kind of the same thing. Really rocked out here. Lost rookie of the year by a a few votes after the revote. But when he left, just battled injuries and was never the same. But while on this team during the drought, Probably some of the best safeties we could have seen. Um, and punter, obviously, Brian Mormon. So that's kind of what I'm looking like for kind of a drought all-star team. And again, it was just something to kind of have fun with and think about. And if you really could do it, 
Um, definitely maybe try to put these teams together and see what could happen. It would be fun. You know, if anybody's got Madden out there and you want to try it, go nuts. See what happens. Let me know. Drop me a line. Um, but that's kind of what I came up with. Just kind of something fun. Something I was thinking about. Not too much else to do during quarantine. So you get to have a little fun with it. Uh, as I drop my pen. So with that, I'll take a quick breath here. And then I'll come back with a 2017 NFL Draft redraft. Now we are three years removed from this draft. Now it's time to see who screwed up and who nailed it, right? Um, again, hindsight being 2020 with this, but uh, this is always fun. You get to go back and see what your team could have done, should have done, would have done if things were different. So I'm going to reset the draft in 2017, and we're going to go 1 through 32 with the picks. And I'll give you a reasons why, but I'll do that in just a moment. Cause you're draft um i know that the 2020 draft is coming up uh thursday i believe and i could sit here and get into who i think is going to be number one who's going to go where who's going to do this who's going to do that um but i'm gonna have more fun doing this um it's just going to be a different feel this year because of uh the corona kind of everywhere it's really shutting down a lot of different things also, being that the Bills don't have a first-round pick because of the Diggs trade, so I don't see them trading up into the first round to do much of anything. Um, the Bills will probably just stand pat and stay at the second-round pick where they have it. So, And I believe they're still doing the three-day format, so the first round will still be Thursday. So I don't... It's not that I'm not interested in it. I still feel Joe Burrow is going to go number one to Cincinnati. There's just... No way around that. It'll be interesting to see where like Tua and Justin Herbert fall and then a few other players that I'll have my eye on. Um, but it's going to be more of just where the quarterbacks go, which I think will dictate the rest of the draft, um, especially with the Leonard Fournette news that he could be out there for trade. That could be another thing to keep an eye on. The Bills have been mentioned in that. Um, it would be interesting. I don't know if I'd necessarily be down for it. I feel like they could just get another draft pick and fill a running back need there, and you're not going to really have to spend the kind of money you're going to spend on a Leonard Fournette, um, even though it's not expensive by really any stretch. But um, I think why trade the pick when you can use it on a running back that you're going to split time with Singletary anyway? So I think that's the way that could go. But um, I've seen a few different articles redrafting the 2017 draft. I wanted to take my shot at it. And, you know, my reasons for doing what I'm doing are probably the greatest, but, you know, I just think some of these make the most sense. Like, there's always something, like, it always makes sense when you throw these different guys where these different teams are drafting and say, oh, he's the best player at his position, and he was taken in this draft. Yeah, that's fine and dandy, but the draft usually dictates itself certain ways anyway. So, this is my take on the 2017 NFL Draft. Resetting all the picks at 
Number one, the Cleveland Browns. They will take quarterback Patrick Mahomes, I think. Uh, that is a no-brainer. Uh, in reality, they took Miles Garrett, number one. Um, by any stretch, not a terrible pick that they took in the first place. Garrett, uh, before he bashed Mason Rudolph's face in with his helmet, um, was can pretty much going to be a pretty good all-pro player, more or less. Uh, but Mahomes came into the league, and when he got his chance to start, he 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 took it. You know, uh, so Mahomes definitely number one. Uh, number two, originally with San Francisco, they traded with the Bears, um, but I think they take Deshaun Watson. They stay at two, take Deshaun Watson. Uh, reality though, Chicago traded up one spot and took Trubisky. If they could go back, I'm sure they would do things differently. Uh, number three. In my redraft, Chicago will take Miles Garrett. Um, I know they could go a bunch of different ways with this. I still think they take defense. Then, if they couldn't get the quarterback that they wanted here, I don't think they still. I don't think they take Trubisky. Again, knowing what we know, let's just assume they do things differently. Uh, Miles Garrett was considered the number one overall pick anyway going into this draft. If you get him at three, not terrible. The Bills or the Bills, the Bears, I should say. Uh, go build their reputation on defense anyway. And can you imagine if they end up getting Khalil Mack still? How good, you know what I mean? Like the pass rush would just be disgusting. And you could probably plug in just a capable enough quarterback to get you to make plays. And you could probably survive. So uh, I think that's the way the Bears would do it. Uh, Number four, Jacksonville. I have them taking Christian McCaffrey at running back instead of Leonard Fournette, who they took uh, there at number five, the Tennessee Titans. And they, in reality, they took Corey Davis, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. He has not had a very fun experience in the NFL thus far. Uh, so I think they would take Chris Godwin there. Uh, he's been killing it down in Tampa. So I think Tennessee would go that route. The Jets at six still take Jamal Adams. I don't think anything changes there. Uh, I think the Los Angeles Chargers at seven, instead of taking Mike Williams, the receiver out of Clemson, they take Juju Smith-Schuster instead. Um, uh, Not to say Mike Williams was a bust by any stretch. Um, I just don't think he should have been taken this high, given, again, what we know now. um, You know, I think Juju would have been a different type of receiver for them to have, so I think Juju would have went there. Carolina... Uh, at eight, would have taken Leonard Fournette, I feel. Again, it's not like Fournette is a bust by any stretch. Um, he's just a different type of running back. And I think Carolina would have went uh, with him. I know there's some other guys that could have been taken. Again, I'll get to them. Uh, I still think, though, Fournette would have went there. He was pretty much considered the best running back coming out of this draft anyway, um, just for what he was. So I think Carolina ends up with him. Cincinnati at nine. Uh, in reality, they took John Ross. Again, probably wish they could have done that differently. I give him Kenny Galladay at nine. They need a they need a flyer on the other side of AJ Green. I think Galladay fits the bill there. He's doing pretty well in Detroit. Uh, Buffalo at ten. They don't trade with Kansas City here because Mahomes is already gone. Uh, so I say I think the Bills stay pat at ten. And they still end up getting Tredavious White. So that doesn't change there. At 11, New Orleans, instead of taking Marshawn Lattimore, which they did in reality, they will get Alvin Kamara at 11. So they still get their running back there. 
at 12, the Texans do not trade up in this scenario. Cleveland still has the 12th pick. They take Dalvin Cook at running back. So that will make Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson expendable. So Dalvin Cook then takes over in Cleveland at 12 there. Uh, Arizona on 13, instead of taking Hassan Reddick like they did in reality, they take TJ Watt. Um, so he jumps up the board by a lot. At 14, Philadelphia, they take Derek Barnett. Um, not a bad pick by any stretch in reality. But in this scenario, uh, they try to give more help, I would say, to Carson Wentz. So Cooper Cup goes number 14. I think Cooper Cup would make a world of difference in that offense. And that's where he goes in Indianapolis at 15. In reality, they took Malik Hooker, the safety out of Ohio State. In this redraft, I have him taking Marshawn Lattimore, the corner. Um, again, I don't think they could have really missed on either pick, but I feel like Marshawn Lattimore uh, would go there, and then they would have their cornerback, number one to anchor one side of their defense. Uh, Baltimore at 16. Uh, they still end up with Marlon Humphrey, as they did. Washington at 17, instead of taking Jonathan Allen, uh, defensive tackle, they take Malik McDowell, a defensive tackle out of Michigan State. Uh, you can see what he has done in Seattle. Since he got there, he's been really doing doing good things. Um, so, you know, Jonathan Allen might not have been living up to everything, but... Uh, I think Washington would redo it and take him. At 18, Tennessee, uh, they took Adoree Jackson, the corner. Um, I went back and forth on this, but I feel like if given the chance, they would take Shaquille Griffin instead. Um, not that Adoree Jackson isn't any good. Uh, he actually is not bad. Uh, but Shaquille Griffin uh, doing, I think, much better than people anticipated him doing that at this point, um, especially being a later round pick. So uh, you can see what he's done with Seattle, but I think Tennessee would go back and redo it and they would take him at 18. At 19, Tampa Bay would, instead of taking OJ Howard, uh, as they did, they would take George Kittle. Now, this is where it gets interesting where people will probably be like, well, why wouldn't George Kittle go, you know, to Chicago at three or San Francisco at two or hell to Jacksonville at four? Um, I just think tight end being the position that it is. Yeah, it's a big position, but Kittle again, like he's dominating the way he's dominating, which is nice. But I feel like Kittle has to be in that type of offense to do what he's doing. And Shanahan's offense really provides itself to, to, to give you those opportunities. Um, I don't think. Jacksonville's offense gives them that same opportunity. I don't think Chicago's offense per se would have done that. Um, and again, with the top two quarterbacks being Watson and Mahomes, he wouldn't have had a chance to go one or two. And again, Tennessee's offense doesn't really lend you that. Jet, uh, the Jets, Chargers maybe, but I still think they would have went receiver instead. And then you got Carolina, Cincinnati. You know, Buffalo could have been an option, but you want to get defense in there. So I just think... You know, the way drafts go, he would fall a little farther and he would end up in Tampa. And that would be probably the biggest steal of that first round then, if that was the case. So Tampa would end up with George Kittle. At 20, Denver would get Deion Dawkins, the guard. Um, the Bills, everybody knows, got him in the second round. But 
Uh, Garrett Bowles went in reality to Denver at this spot. He hasn't been really living up to expectation, so I think Denver would redo it and take him. Detroit at 21, in reality, took Gerard Davis, uh, the inside linebacker, but in this scenario, I have them taking Malik Hooker, the safety. Um, I think he would still do wonders there. And number 22, Miami, I have them taking James Conner, the running back in this scenario. Um, in reality, they took the outside linebacker Charles Harris. Um, I think James Conner would do bigger things for them there. And then, you know, Kenyon Drake probably would go, but James Conner could go there. Uh, number 23, the Giants, in reality, took Evan Ingram, the tight end. Uh, in this scenario, I have them taking a Dory Jackson in the corner. Um, you know, again, he just goes a little farther in this draft. Um, but I think the Giants could have used more defensive help. Oakland at 24, they get Mike Williams at receiver. In reality, they took Gary on Conley, the corner. I think they would be okay with that trade-off. Uh, 25, uh, this isn't where Houston, or excuse me, this is where Houston would draft. They don't trade with Cleveland. In reality, Cleveland got this pick with the trade for De- Deshaun Watson. So uh, Jabril Peppers went 25 to Cleveland um, in this scenario. However, I have Chidobi Awuzie, the corner, going to Houston. Um, so Peppers, again, gets traded from Cleveland anyway, so not a huge deal. Um, 26, Seattle hangs on to this pick. In reality, Atlanta got it, and they took Tokarist McKinley, the defensive end from UCLA. In this scenario, I have Seattle holding on to this, taking Taylor Motten for the tackle. They could use more help on the O-line there. Uh, 27, again, the Bills don't trade down with KC in this scenario. So 27, Tredavious White went to the Bills, but KC hangs on to this. They take Jayon Brown, the linebacker. Uh, Dallas at 28, in reality, took Taco Charlton, the defensive end out of Michigan. In this scenario, I haven't taken Derek Barnett, defensive end out of Tennessee. The Eagles got a good one when they took him in reality, but I think Dallas would end up with him here. Green Bay at 29, uh, they took... Excuse me. Uh, 29, Cleveland ended up with that pick. They took David Njoku, the tight end out of Miami. Uh, Green Bay keeps this pick, and I think they take Evan Ingram there. I think he would do good things in Green Bay. In Pittsburgh at 30, in reality, again, they took TJ Watt. Um, in this scenario, I have him taking OJ Howard. So two tight ends back to back, three tight ends in the first round. In my scenario, I think O.J. Howard would do good things in Pittsburgh uh, just because they haven't done much since Heath Miller left in that position. 31, uh, this is where San Francisco traded back up to get Reuben Foster, uh, the linebacker. But in this scenario, I have Atlanta keeping that pick, taking Carl Lawson, the defensive end. And number 32, New Orleans still ends up with Ryan Ramchick, the tackle out of Wisconsin. So... Uh, you know, not for much rhyme or reason, other than it's just fun to think about what would happen and the way drafts would fall. I know there's different needs for different teams. Probably could have taken different players. I know a lot of you probably think Dalvin Cook could have went much higher, which, yeah, he probably could have, depending on what teams were looking for. But I think, again, your consensus one and two would have been Mahomes and Watson. And then from there, it could have went any which way. Um, again, uh, given what McCaffrey has done in his career thus far, he's really just really exceeding a lot of expectations. I think Jacksonville would have been 
uh, unwise to pass up on him there. Again, given what we know now. Um, so I think that would have been fine. Godwin, again, is looking to be one of the better receivers in this draft class. You know, sorry to Corey Davis and John Ross, but they're not doing a whole lot where they are. But Godwin and Juju and Galladay are. So, um, again, it just mostly goes to show you that if you have good scouting, you can get good players wherever you are in any round, which is kind of fun. Uh, but again, that's kind of what I came up with. You know, maybe we'll do another redraft later on down the line. We'll see how this draft goes. Um, I will be working this week, so I don't know if I'll get to watch too much of the draft. I'll try to watch at least some of the first round. You know, I'll, I'll catch it on, on the YouTubes, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be videos all over the place, so I'm not going to be out of the loop by any stretch. But, you know, I could have just sat here and gave you my analysis, gave you who I thought was going to go where, who I'd like to see the Bills take, who I'd like to see do this, who I'd like to see do that. But I figured doing a redraft would have been more fun because we could have got to see what could have been. And definitely this would have made things a lot more interesting if it fell that way. Faux show. But uh, that is pretty much all I got for you this week. I'm going to try to get another show out to you next week. Um... And we will see what we come up with next week. I've let the girlfriend know that she will be on it next week. And she's very excited. So I told her to come up with some talking points. Hopefully she's doing that. She could probably hear me talk right now. So I'm sure she's thinking up something fun to talk about. So we'll have a little bit of fun with it next week. But I'll try to do a, a recap of the draft. Um, if not on the show, try to maybe even do a blog. I haven't written one of those in quite some time. So that could be interesting. Um, But again, we'll see. Try to keep yourselves busy. Uh, Be safe. Don't go outside if you don't have to. You know, there are other ways to get the things you need. Amazon, Instacart, all that fun stuff. You know, be safe. Do what you got to do. For all you essential workers out there, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Take the necessary precautions. Uh, Again, I'm an essential worker, so I know what you're going through and everything. For all the rest of you, you know, just... uh, Stay strong. We'll get through it. Uh, But until then, I'll talk to you guys uh, next week. Definitely going to try to get a show out next week. So uh, with that, uh, you can find the show on the Facebook, search Puma Thoughts. You can find me on the tweets at Puma585 or at Puma Thoughts. Uh, SoundCloud, search for Puma Thoughts or Puma585. Instagram, search for Puma Thoughts. I'm on there too. (laughs) Um, uh, YouTube, don't know if I'll get the, get a post out to YouTube. Um, don't really have too many, too much time to get it out on the video part of it. But again, you can still find me at those other places for sure. So, uh, take care of yourselves, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. I am out of here. Oh!